we packaged it together and we blew the whistle on a whole number of folks and we still are we are still doing that to this day um but yeah so with that whistleblower protection it's really not worth the, the paper it's written on and i think it's evident if you look at uh, some of the retaliation that's been done against the folks that came out from the Department of Justice, FBI, IRS, you, you know, all these federal agencies that had whistleblowers and they were whistleblower protected, but they were still retaliated against. And who stepped in to protect them? Have you had concerns that your beef wasn't raised in America or that it was given antibiotics or growth hormones or mRNA vaccines? If you had those concerns and more, look no further. Here is now a place where you can get better than grass-fed, grass-finished beef, where you can get beef that's never been given antibiotics, growth hormones, and will never have mRNA vaccines given to it. If you're interested, please click on the link below. We'll have a Zoom meeting on September the 28th. Click on the link below, put in your information, and join us at this Zoom meeting on September the 28th. I can't wait to see you there. This is some of the best beef I've ever had in my life. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff. On this podcast, you will be encouraged to question everything. And to have the courage to stand for the truth. And now, to your host, Dr. Sigaloff. Thank you for joining me again. I will first want to give a shout out to my Patreon supporters. We have a an anonymous donor family at $20.20 a month. We have the Plandemic Reprimando at $17.76 a month with Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, Brian, Shell, and Megan. We have the self-made level at $10 with Kevin and Pat and Bev. The Refine Not Burn with $5 a month with Linda, Emmy, Joe, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer, Ken, Rick, and Mary. Addison Mulder has made up his own level at $3. Frank has done that at $150. Courage is Contagious level at $1 a month with Amanda, Jay, Spesnasty, Darrell, Susan, BB King, and Caleb. I want to thank you all very much for supporting me, all the support you've given me. I have so far put about $120,000 in my lawsuit to help defend my good name. Um, and I just hope that everyone's praying that this thing can be, if it needs to be appealed, we can do that. We only have one um, one of our courses of action left. Uh, but I have a very special guest today. He's been in this fight longer than I have. He's, he's a veteran in fighting the government, fighting corruption. Uh, Sam, it's great to have you today. <laughs> so you recently came out with a, a news article that was kind of exposing who you are and who you work with and uh, the group that you've been working with tell us a bit about that okay so um i'm one of the admins for terminal cwo you got the mug right there i wish i was rocking my own mug but unfortunately the handle on mine is broken but uh yeah so <laughs> i'm one of the admins for terminal cwo and um, a Breitbart article just came out on August 1st. That was the day of my retirement. Basically broke down what had taken place behind the scenes for an investigation into myself. So I was the only one out of my crew that was investigated. The, uh, the folks who thought that they were, they were going after my crew didn't go after anybody except myself because they're idiots. But they... What I found out when the 15-6 was given to me 
and this is what went into the article that was written by Christina Wong at Breitbart, was that uh, an illegal investigation took place behind the scenes. So for those who don't know, you have to have, you know, you have to have certain uh, authorizations conduct an investigation on on persons, on U.S. citizens. And uh, that's got to be done through the chain of command, and it's got to be basically blessed off on by the commanding general. And that was not done. A three-star general at Tradoc and then a bunch of other folks were involved in a behind-the-scenes investigation into doxing myself and, and, in fact, some other folks who had nothing to do with Terminal CWO, uh, such as my homeowner, which was – it was funny until I found out about it and I realized that the guy who owned my home, who I'd been renting from for several years, was was investigated as well, which just – that's that's garbage. But anyways um, – yeah, so that they were conducting an investigation behind the scenes into myself uh, in retaliation for uh, work that we had done to expose various levels of corruption and, and uh, I, I think nefarious is too strong of a word, but um, improper conduct that was going on with official resources and yeah, so that came out, and and here I am. My name is Sam. Um, like you, it's a great name, and uh, here we are. Yeah, we've been requested of God for the, this position that we're in now um, to expose Amen. the corruption. Amen. So I didn't really have an agenda for this. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm going to need you to lead on this. Cause this is my first cup of coffee of the day. And I just happened to find these K cups laying around. So I am, I'm getting caffeinated as we speak. And oh, it great. is okay, blissful, good. but uh, <laughs> I was hurting for a minute. Yeah. And at the time of recording, this is uh three in the afternoon, just uh, for me at least. Um, but yeah, so, um, so you've been involved in a lot of helping expose a lot of problems. It seems like that should have granted you some whistleblower protection um, just because you're blowing whistles on all sorts of bad <clears throat> things going on, but it doesn't seem that that worked out that way for you or do whistleblower protections just not matter anymore. They really don't. And, uh, and I, I do technically have whistleblower protections that never entered into the investigation. I didn't, try to insert it into the investigation because here's the disconnect. Uh, I have whistleblower protection through multiple representatives offices based on uh, information that I have brought to their attention. And I suppose if things had gone the route of turning into a criminal matter, which they didn't because myself and my team never conducted any criminal activity whatsoever, we didn't expose classified information. We didn't uh, do anything that was illegal whatsoever. We simply took information that was publicly accessible in one way or another, unclassified information, and we we packaged it together and we blew the whistle on a whole number of folks. And we still are. We are still doing that to this day. Um, but yeah, so with that whistleblower protection, it's really not worth the, the paper it's written on. And I think it's evident if you look at uh, some of the retaliation that's been done against the folks that came out from the Department of Justice, FBI, IRS, you, you know, all these federal agencies that had whistleblowers and they were whistleblower protected, but they were still retaliated against. And who stepped in to protect them? Well, a congressman getting up there on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, wherever they go, and they say, uh, this person's protected. They can't do this outrageous is not protection. 
if the person is still being retaliated against. So my matter stayed at a non-criminal level. Uh, like I said, the 156 uh, was found inconclusive. Uh, basically, a, a preponderance of the evidence said that, that I was likely connected to the account, but they couldn't say conclusively and they couldn't say what exactly I had posted. It was just conduct unbecoming and uh, uh, insubordination and disrespect to senior, you know, senior officers and stuff like that um, based on some of the stuff that went out over the years. But that was as far as it went. And so I didn't worry about getting representatives involved and all that stuff. Uh, and in fact, to my bonus <laughs> with what they did in the illegal activity that they, they partook in, it was, how do I put this? There are representatives and there are people working now based on that information and what they did behind the scenes. And that's why I haven't really commented on it too much. I, I'll let, I'll let that play out on that end and, uh, whatever happens there, then, you know, uh, yeah, the, I, I don't have a lot of hope that anything will happen, but we'll see, you know, there are people that are working on it right now. So. Okay. So we just had some technical issues, which is strange because, uh, you're, past MI guy and I'm stationed or I'm, I live near an MI post and things were working great until a few minutes in, but we'll see if we can stitch all that together. Um, interesting. So let's talk about some current events that are going on. Cause I know you're, you're keeping your ear close to the, to the ground on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so what are we, what are we seeing? We're seeing, uh, we're seeing our nation is under attack, right, with the uh, southern border. I mean, absolutely under attack. They're pouring through by the tens of thousands uh, weekly, monthly, hundreds of thousands monthly. And uh, one of the things I just put out was a frago from the Massachusetts National Guard where they are activating 250, excuse me, 250 personnel to um, to basically be social workers and concierge for illegal immigrants' families uh, within the greater Commonwealth area of Massachusetts. And I don't understand the logistics of all that. I don't understand how those families are moved all over the United States. I've seen how everything's happening with the buses and going to New York and Los Angeles and all these different places. But, you know, we don't, we obviously, we often don't calculate into the, in the, the rest of the state, especially Massachusetts, that's usually smaller. It doesn't get get as much mention, but, um, but yeah, they're activating national guard right now to go be concierge, social workers of some sort for these families that are going to be staying at local hotels. So we, we, we're seeing this start to play out and it's, it's affecting our, our troop readiness. We're, we're calling troops down to the border right there. And then, uh, we're not hearing any, I, I guess my biggest issue is this. If you look at what's going on, you got to stitch a few things together. So you take Tuberville, for instance, Senator Tuberville, he is, uh, he has his blockade in place, preventing a blanket promotion for all general officers and admirals. And 
what a lot of people don't understand about that is they could still individually promote these people if they went through and they selected them. It's only like 300 people. So it's not that cumbersome of a task, but they want this to play out in the media circus. But, but let me move to my point. My point is Tuberville is stopping this because they're breaking the law. The DOD is actively breaking the law and they have been. Why do you and I, why are we in this position right now? Like, after hours with Dr. Sigaloff is in this position because you pushed back against an unlawful mandate when they tried to poison the entire DOD with this vaccine. And before it was even known that it was poison, it was just unlawful. We knew it was unlawful because it was experimental. And so you and I exist in large part because, or at least our, our outreach because of the activity of the DOD. And so if you look at what has taken place within the flag officer ranks? And they're the ones steering this, okay? I want everybody to understand this. Your, your average troop, your boots on the ground, these are just folks who raised their right hand and wanted to, you know, wanted to serve their country. They had that patriotic uh, calling and duty to serve their country, to stand up and do something, even though we're not in a wartime, whatever. But, they, but just like generations before them, they said, I want to serve my country. But these flag officers who have been put in place, we, we, we purged with Obama. Obama purged approximately like 190 flag officers. Now we're here with what we have now, which is a bunch of very Marxist and the ideolo ideology of outright communism to socialism and how that bleeds into the force and what they're doing and the agendas that they're pushing. And then you see how that all that ties in with the other federal agencies who are doing the same thing, the department of Homeland security and, and these folks who are supposed to be in charge of, you know, securing and, and protecting our border and the porous nature of all of these immigrants flowing through. And we're starting to see not just, it's not just these folks who are like downtrodden and they're, they're suffering oppression. We're seeing coming in from Africa, from the middle East, from, all over Central and Latin America, um, the cartels have have capitalized on this and turned this into a thing where they can push their they can push humans across through human trafficking and then just vast amounts of drugs. And this is all being assisted and facilitated by our government. The DOD is the same thing, and and, and a lot of people that don't educate themselves think that the DOD is going to save us. They are they are the white hats. The DOD, you know, we're just people, but the DOD is not there to save you. They are the federal agency, just like the rest of them. And they have been, the people that have been put in place, like the secretary of defense and, and all these branch chiefs, they are, they are there for a reason. They are there to facilitate and move and, and allow the federal government to collapse into this Marxist, socialist, communist, ideological state. And we're watching our country be taken over as we speak by these individuals. So when I see this stuff, I feel an overwhelming need to point it out, even if, even if it seems small, such as the Massachusetts National Guard facilitating, you know, helping these families in hotels. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't help them, but I'm saying the manner in which it's being done and the lack of pushback from our senior officials, lack of pushback from governors, uh, very few governors at that. And it, and we're seeing that play out in New York right now with the mayor. And he's saying that we're going to collapse and all this other stuff. If we, if we keep taking in all these people, New York will not survive. And he's right. But 
Now they're trying to keep everybody in Texas because they want Texas to collapse because Texas is a, a beacon for freedom right now. And they want us to turn blue and all that. So I know I'm on a soapbox and a rant right now, but just, what's that? Just recently in Texas, the attorney general has been impeached. Mm. Yeah, and I, it will. I don't know much about that situation, to be honest with you. I've, I've seen the charges go against him, but now what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a lot of really weird evidence come out in the, the proceedings that are taking place right now as far as accusations that these people who were whistleblowers and turned over evidence to the FBI didn't turn over any kind of evidence, and then they deleted their emails and their texts for follow-on follow review, which is really weird. I don't know why you would turn over supposedly this incriminating evidence and then delete it after the fact, and, and they're crying on the stand, and they're, they're blustering and this and that. And I, I, it's weird. I don't understand what's going on with that, but you're right. Um, but they are, you know, I, I talked to some friends of mine and they're actively trying to take over Travis County, which is in the Austin area, trying to take over the attorney general. They're trying to uh, take over the sheriff's office and they are trying to shore up these very powerful positions under very progressive individuals to allow for the facilitation of these people to come into our country. And we're being taken over. This isn't... Uh, What's the term? Xenophobia? This isn't xenophobia. This isn't like I, I hate people from a different country. <laughs> it's retarded to even say anything like that and to, and to assume that I would. That's the issue here. What, what the issue is, is, is we are we are collapsing the state from the outside in. We're purging out. Uh, just call them patriots, if you will. It's a generic term, but we are we, we are purging folks from within the institutions, you know, within the FBI, the, the DOD the DHS, we are pushing out folks who are constitutionally minded and we are allowing this to open up for folks who are not constitutionally minded, such as immigrants. In fact, Chicago was one of the first areas that said illegal aliens can now be officers. They can be police officers in Chicago. That's crazy to me. So you can be a police officer, an alien, a non-citizen of the United States and arrest a citizen of the United States for a federal crime, even though you are literally living a federal crime yourself. And that to me is just mind boggling, but that's what we're doing. And it's little pieces here and there. It's not a mass thing. It is just chipping away at the block. And this, this is allowing, this is being allowed to be done because they use things like what they did to us to try to silence us, to try to bring investigations against us, to try to uh, basically stopgap any dissent, anybody who would speak out against this and cut us off and force us out of the system so that we cannot, we cannot expose that. Well, that's a whole lot of if talk, you look at it, that's, that's what's going on here. If you look at it from this direction, so um, if you wanted to take over a country without firing a shot, what if you sent a million people over into their country and they gave up? And now they're sitting around and you got to feed them and you have to house them and you have to clothe them and you have to give them bathrooms because that's the humane thing to do. And then the next day, there's another million people that cross over and they give up 
and then another million people the next day. And you just keep doing that. Pretty soon you've got an entire population sitting inside of your borders, collapsing the country because you don't have the resources to feed and house and, and clothe these people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of the, the areas where we've seen the, the most vocal proponents of this kind of stuff taking place, this kind of stuff being this mass illegal immigration are the places that are hit the worst of themselves, such as San Francisco. Look at this place. Excuse me. Look at San Diego. Look at San Francisco. Look at all of these, these California, you know, hubs of culture and civilization for decades and decades of just vast wealth and luxury and everything else. And they are just slums right now. I mean, absolute poverty stricken slums of, of drug users and filth and decadence and everything else. And these are the places that still have a voice because they still have such a large population that is saying, continue to do this. But at the same time, they're, they're watching in real time what this is, what, what is happening to their own city. And this is what's being done in America. And yet those who have to actually pay for this stuff and, and take the brunt of the hit for what is happening, such as the rural communities that whose taxes pay for this stuff, whose agricultural produce goes to feed the nation and everything else, their voice is silenced and they have to bear the responsibility of this illegal immigration. And a lot of times a, a real, a serious physical threat as well from what is actively coming over, especially down in South Texas and a lot of these places. So anyways, absolutely. And and you recently did an article, Some I believe, or at least you, you covered it about the um, Chinese nationals coming over and getting quote lost or finding themselves on us posts and taking pictures and gathering information. Yeah, that, that wasn't my article. That was a national article that went out. But so, so I followed up on that and that's wild because I, I was not aware of this problem. So I see this came out. It was like a Fox news article. It, it was something big. It was, it was a big media article. So I posted this stuff on Instagram and the message box started to fill up, especially from Alaska, your hometown, or once upon a time, hometown, Anchorage. I, I've I been believe, there. Right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. They right. have a lot of Chinese nationals yeah. coming over for um, tourism. In fact, there was even a specialist yeah, that tourism, I worked with right. that I was, I was concerned. I was like, this guy, you know, this, he's a little bit older. And he just seems a little odd, and he just <sighs> makes you wonder if, you know, when he starts someone starts doing something illegally and it's like, why is this guy who, why did he go to China and then come back while he was active duty? That just seems like right. an odd thing to do. And we've seen a couple of, of Chinese nationals get rolled up for espionage stuff. But what I was not aware of was how prevalent this was. And especially in Alaska, they get, they, they are under attack constantly. And just back in June, they had somebody try to run their gate. Um, it was a, a group of what was, ex, what was described to me by some folks in the provost marshal there was military-aged Chinese male. So for those who don't know what that means, it's typically, you know, between the age of 15, 16 to like 23, 24, something like that. It's a military-aged male. Um, 
military-age male Chinese nationals who tried to run the gate on, I believe, believe, don't quote me on this, J-B-E-R, which is uh, Elmendorf there. And uh, yeah, anyways, I found out like this happens all the time. This is not this is not a new thing. Like this article came out and they're like, yeah, it's old news. But we didn't know about it. We didn't know that the co- there's constant pervasive attacks happening from China to infiltrate our installations. And you wonder why. But but why not? If you were if you were just constantly tried trying to explore security gaps and you could do you could do a lot of things. First of all, you could collect on the local area, you could collect on the local military population, but you could also continue to just probe and keep slamming the gate. And you're not really losing anything because you pay some idiot a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars to run the gate and he goes to jail and gets deported back to China. What have you really lost? Nothing. But you gain a lot out of exploring those vulnerabilities. And that's what they're doing. So our our enemies are taking this stuff seriously. They are absolutely exploring our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. While we have general officers, flag officers, admirals, generals, all that stuff, who are promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion, like it is the like it is the foundation for lethality and warfighting in the military. Mind-boggling how not they I, I do believe that a lot of these people are not only out of touch, but I also believe a lot of these folks are in touch and they're doing this very purposefully to be subversive and to destabilize and destroy our industry from within, our the corporation in the United States, if you will. So I think you're absolutely right. I think a Anytime in medicine in the army, when we're focusing on transgender um, training and how to provide, you know, care for transgender transitions in the military, well, the the military is not a it's it, it it's not charity, right? You join the military for a job, and if you're in transition in the military, you're non deployable for maybe a year, maybe three years, depending on how long it takes, and then really technically you might not be deployable after you transition because you have to have a continuous constant stream of medications well in a deployed setting you might not have access to those so you might be start reverting back to whatever your gender was before which it's always been you've never changed it you've just changed hardware on the outside your your chromosomes have always been the same and they never will change and nothing will change them and the sooner that these these people that are living this psychosis really the sooner they understand that and come to terms with i just feel different and I'm, I'm a man if I'm a man, or I'm a woman if I'm a woman, and I can't change that. So I'm going to try and change other things in my life so that I feel loved and accepted rather than trying to change hardware on my body. Because that's what it is. You know, we, we don't yeah. facilitate psychosis in people who are in mental institutions. We don't go, oh, here's your tinfoil hat to keep all, you know, the CIA out. No, we don't do that because right. that would be inappropriate. Right. We bring them back down to earth and say, look, that, that, that's not accurate. You know, this is reality. Reality is a little different than what you're experiencing. Let's help you get on the right path. Yeah. And what you're what you're talking about just came out recently with the. uh, Sorry, man, I forgot your name. Journalist from the dossier, Jordan, Jordan Schachtel. 
uh, just released that article with the the memo that came out of Fort Bragg that they broke that down. Literally, you are non-deployable for 300 days. Uh, for 300 days from your last hormone treatment, will you as a doctor know that you continually take hormone treatments, which means, you know, by default, you're never going to deploy. So not only will you never deploy, but they also don't have height and weight standards. And they don't have to take physical fitness tests. So they don't have to keep, uh, you know, they don't have to do what everybody else in the service does. They don't have to maintain physical fitness standards. They have a full crew of multiple doctors, both therapists and, and psychiatrists and all this stuff, along with different things that you need for being transgender in the operations you've had to, to provide their care. So we're devoting millions of dollars to their physical, to their mental, as well as they don't have to deploy. They don't have to maintain physical fitness standards. And you wonder at this point, what are they doing for the benefit of the United States military. Well, they're not because our job is to, our job at the base of it is to deploy, fight and win our nation's wars. So you, you run twofold with this. Not only do you allow this thing into the military, which is just by, by definition of what we've introduced into the military, it is, it is Jack Assery at its, most, I mean, most pure form. It really is to, to bring somebody in. It's like, it's like having a professional sports team and you pay this guy the salary that you would pay your quarterback, but he does nothing. He sits there and watches the game because it's, it's inclusive because we're trying to take care of him. Well, that wouldn't make sense. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't waste your money on that. He, he needs to go out there and win a football game because, but that's what we're doing. These folks contribute nothing to a war fighting procedure. And you could argue that there's a lot of folks who don't contribute anything, but, but, but they could, but they haven't been perp. They could, and they're not purposely removed from that ability. That's the thing, right. but they these, this, this small population pointed yeah. down range. Exactly. They are, they, these folks are purposely removed from that, but then even bigger is what it does to morale. Excuse me, I keep drinking this coffee and it's making me burp. But anyways, um, what, what it does to morale, the rest of these troops have to live with this and they have to go through this, this training and they have to be around this and they have to look at this and be like, this is nuts. And a lot of these folks come from middle America and they're not exposed to this. And hell, I was never exposed to this stuff growing up. This wasn't a thing. This isn't a thing until much later in life as an adult that I've even known about this stuff. And yet these folks have to, they have to listen to this as somebody tells them flat out this this female who still has male genitalia. So you're like, what did he just say? This female who has male genitalia. So, so okay, you it's mean a, a male? It's a woman with a oh, penis? Oh, no, no, no. That's a female. Yeah. That, no, that... <laughs> right. And they're allowed to go into the shower room. So women, it's okay. If you see a female in there with male genitalia, it's okay because it's really a woman. Don't Don't be upset or alarmed. That's not hyperbole from me. That's not, that's not me just making something up. That was, these are literal text messages that commanders have sent out to their, I, I brought this up the other day on another podcast. A commander literally told his, his subordinate commanders. So he was either at the 05 or 06 level, but he said, if you see a female in the showers, let your female population know that if they see a female in the showers and they, you know, female, not to be alarmed, but this is actually a female. It's okay. What? No, dude. Wait, and how does that protect are, the females? Where, where are the feminists on this right. one? 
because because now you've got a man because that's what he is he's a man with a penis and he's in the women's showers it only takes a moment for him to rape someone right and even if he doesn't rape someone let's say he's the most calm teddy bear in the world and and truly just has a whole lot of mental disorder and is is trying to live his best life regardless you've subject you've subjected an entire population of your troops to to this this climate where they have to accept this insane thing that biologically psychologically whatever allergy you can you can tie it to their body rejects because they know through and through that this is not real this is fake this is insane i i identify a threat by observing my surroundings if i see a guy who I, i'm not going to apply characteristics and get labeled racist or or misogynistic or anything else so i'm just going to say use your imagination but i have been as a human being born with instinct just like every other animal i am born with instinct and then through my cultural upbringing i am i am, I am raised to identify threats pattern recognition exactly to say this is a threat i need to remove myself from the situation or i need to do something i need to take action because this is a threat in front of me and basically this female population is being told ignore all of that and ignore all of your instincts ignore reality this man is not really a man it's a woman and you're like but it has a penis i know that but 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 okay i need to retrain my brain to say this uh, this is a man or this is a woman, this is a woman, this is a woman, this one. Your brain can't accept it because it's not real. It's not true. It's fake. It's made up. It's nonsense. And yet our flag officers, not a single one of them, just like, just like when it came to the COVID mandate, not a single one of them spoke up about the unlawfulness of a, a complete lack of FDA vaccines. Not a single one of them is speaking up publicly about what is happening with this issue, with transgenders and with males who identify as females and and what is happening to our female population not a single general officer anywhere on active duty is speaking up about any of the ailments in our military right now and 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 just calling a calling a duck a duck like you're you're, you're not even being asked to be bold you're just being i i expect you as a general officer to come out and just go nope a duck is a duck so brave it's not brave it's just reality truth yeah <laughs> right what's even but here what's we are even more amazing is the medical community wants to do these herculean things for these people to try and help them because it's a they you know it's a life-saving treatment when the evidence shows i think there was a 30-year study out of one of the scandinavian countries that showed that this doesn't save lives this is a life endangering treatment as their risk of death goes up 20-fold whether it due to cardiovascular disease from all these hormones that shouldn't be in them or suicide goes up significantly, these people are at much higher risk of dying. It's not helpful. It's not helpful to rub them with warm butter that ends up killing them. That's a good, that's a good saying. I like that. Not helpful to rub them with warm butter that ends up killing them. I'm going to remember that. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> and uh, I, I think I, I, 
if I, if I, if I, if I look at this a different way and I address this from a different vantage point, death in the military is off the charts right now. And it's, it's not, you know, people are going to instinctively think, oh, because I'm on Dr. Sigalov's show, he's talking about the vaccine. No, no, no. Let me, let me break this down. Death in the military is off the charts from multiple different issues. We have skyrocketing crime on military installations, truly. Yes. I could cite a number of articles and a, just a ton of data talking about the amount of drug use, uh, uh, trafficking, uh, all sorts of issues going on uh, on military installations. Specifically, I would talk about the vaccine because we have young 20 to 25-year-old males and females who should, by all accounts, be in the prime of their life. And I get it. There's going to be some one-offs. If three years ago, we'd have been like, man, what's crazy. This guy, this guy had a heart attack at 22. We need to see what's going on. Cause that would have been an oddity. That would have been crazy. That would have been like this very weird thing that this young male who is physically fit and does physical training every day. And, and he's, he's been tested because he came in the military and he's gone, through, but maybe he, he slipped through the system. It happens. It happens all the time, but the amount at which it's happening now of these 20 to 25 year old males and females that are dying. And, you know, I talked to a doctor the other day that explained to me how between the hours of zero two and zero six, and you can attest to this, tell me if I'm wrong, but between those hours, you're absolutely right. This is why most heart attacks and strokes, why you always hear ambulances at two or three in the morning, because the adrenaline spikes, your blood pressure goes up and what's going to happen happens. And it's what you're about to say. Yeah, your, your adrenaline shoots. And if you have myocarditis, and if your heart is scarred, then that adrenaline causes you to go into cardiac arrest. And the amount of individuals we've seen that we have found in their beds dead, and they're calling it natural causes. I mean, dude, dude, you can, you can say natural causes about somebody who dies at 65. Hey, what is the average life rate of, a, of a, an American... I think it's like, what, let's just say 72, 73, something like that. That's, that's the expected, that's the average life rate. 65, you have a heart attack. I'm not going to say it's the vaccine. At 22, you have a heart attack or go into cardiac arrest. I'm going to go, that's the vaccine. That's what's happening. That is but definitely like a, what's happening. Like a story you covered recently where a, a young man was at the, at the controls of a helicopter flying nap of the earth and had a cardiac arrest, died at the controls. And thank God for the quick acting of everyone in the, in the bird because they were able to recover it and not smash it into the ground and kill everybody on board. Right. And and it's important to understand that because when I talk to pilots, I'm not a pilot. So disclaimer, not a pilot. Um, when I talk to pilots about the training that takes place in, in, in at Novacell, formerly Fort Ruckard, uh, is that... This is high adrenaline activity. So this guy was on goggles, which basically means he's on night vision goggles, flying it's a like helicopter, toilet paper rolls, nap yeah. of the earth, right? Nap of the earth, which means he is flying like 600 AGL above ground, whatever. Um, it, a lot of adrenaline, a lot of focus is applied and that stuff's going to surge through your heart. Like we just discussed about, and if you have myocarditis, it's very well could be the thing that shuts you down. Um, this has never happened in training before ever in all of Fort Rucker slash Nova cells history. Never has a student pilot keeled over behind the stick 
and died. Literally died. He died. He came back. They brought him back with the fibrillator, but never has anybody died behind the stick like that in training a student. And so if you look at that, and then you look at the skyrocketing suicides, and there's just a myriad of reasons for that. But my point with all this is, is that deaths in the DOD are off the charts right now. I mean, daily, weekly, we have articles coming out. We had that one Air Force base where they were talking like 20, don't quote me on this, but I think they said like 23 people died or something like that within a, wow. was it a month or two month time frame? A staggering amount. We don't know if they were all service members. It could have been civilians or whatever else. But to put that they, in perspective, they attributed for the listener, 11 of those. To put that in perspective for the listener, that is close to the number of service members that died from COVID from 2019 to 2020. Until we started getting shots. To put that in perspective, I think there was like 26 that died until they started giving shots. Wow. But yeah, this was at... I wish I could recall the Air Force Base. If you Google this, it'll pop up. But they attributed 11. I know this number for sure. They attributed 11 of those deaths to natural causes. No, 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 and freaking no. We are just not wired to die. Yeah. If it's natural causes, that should make everyone go, who's attacking these people look, using something that looks like natural causes? <laughs> right. You would think that Putin That's an attack. And, and the KGB were, were going around poisoning people and making it look like, you know, sticking people with syringes full of something and making it look natural. I mean, that's what an assassination looks like. But what we're seeing is people just dying in their beds and not showing up to formation and they don't know what to call it. But- Everybody has been spooked into not saying what it actually is in the DOD, and they're calling it, they're, they're saying for operational security measures, for mission readiness purposes, to keep our enemy from knowing what our true numbers are. And they said, whatever you want to attribute it to, they put this blanket over it, and nobody gets to know how many are actually dying. But you have reporters that are coming out that are digging into this stuff installation by installation, and they're finding these staggering numbers of people that are dying, that are being sidelined. That pilot that I talked about, he'll never fly again. No, never. I can't talk about much else with him, and, and I can't identify who he is, but he'll never fly again. He's done. His career is over. And the amount he'd, of people that are being he'd sidelined. Lucky. He'd be lucky if he can tie his shoes in the future with with having a cardiac death like that and not having blood flow to the brain. Oh, geez. I can't imagine. It's, yeah. it's horrific um, when you don't have blood flow to the brain, and it's fast. And yet we will sit here on a podcast like this and we will talk about the reality of these things. The reality. This isn't conspiracy anymore. This is actually happening. These are hard, statistically driven facts that are happening in real time. We are literally taking numbers off spreadsheets in black and white and we are saying this is happening. This isn't speculation. This isn't, this isn't something that's been spun through a... You know, you know, some crazy kook website or something else, and we're trying to twist it and turn it. These are real hard, evidentially based facts, and people will still go, that's a COVID idiot right there. That's somebody who just doesn't accept the science. And what do you do with that when somebody refuses to accept what is taking place in front of them in black and white and the reality of this? I don't know. I don't know how you can convince anybody beyond what they are seeing in front of them because they have refused to accept, and I, I think a lot of it comes down to cognitive dissonance 
and we talk about that, that, that cognitive dissonance that says, I pumped this crap into my kids. I pumped this crap into myself and I can't accept the fact that I intentionally poisoned my offspring. And I get it. I would have a hard time with that as well. I would live with constant guilt and regret if I had done that to my children. I would. I live with regret that I did it to myself. And for those that don't know, when this thing first came out in March of two, or, uh, January of 2021, I got it in March. A couple months later, I didn't think anything about it. My friend told me not to get it. It's a vaccine, dude. It's like everything else. It wasn't a vaccine. And it wasn't like everything else. And, and this is what, I'll be the first what makes to admit. me so angry is that you should have been able to trust doctors. Doctors should have told you the freaking truth. Sorry, this makes right. me so angry that my friends have been hurt by this and there needs to be justice. Yeah. Uh, and I did have side effects and I, I know, you know, but for those who don't know, I had this whole side of my face. And if you get in there and look at, it, I healed up pretty well, but this whole side of my face, my eyeball and everything here was just ripped up with shingles. Okay. I was, how old was I at the time? I am 40 now. I believe I was 38 at the time. This was in the spring. This was a year and a half ago in the spring. I still have extreme, like extreme pain that comes up through here. Uh, I get some really bad itching and craziness here. Anybody who's had shingles can attest to that. Um, it's, it can be some nasty business. And it was at the time. It was, it was some of the worst pain I've ever been in. But point is, the doctors asked me at the time, they said, do you have any uh, autoimmune disorder? And I had three doctors, three separate doctors, because I went to an ER that was out of town. I was, I was on vacation at the time, went to an ER. Then I went to a, the ER again when I got back. And then I went to a follow-up appointment. All three doctors asked me, do you have any kind of autoimmune disorder? And I just laughed and just, you know, crossed my eyes and looked at him like, well, I do now. I didn't. <laughs> but I do now. And thanks to this vaccine that every time I take my kid into the doctor and I say, hey, you know, my kid's sick. They go, well, is he up to date on his vaccines? <sighs> Here we go. You know, and I have to have this conversation where I'm like, actually, he is. And I regret that he doesn't have the covid vaccine. He'll never get the covid vaccine. In fact, he'll never get a vaccine again as long as as, as I'm alive because I won't allow my kids to be injected with anything that you people did because you were supposed to protect me and my kids. You were supposed to be the me medical establishment that took care of my family. And yet you pumped this crap and you said, trust the science and you said it's safe and effective and it wasn't safe and effective. And we know that now. And you expect me to believe you with everything else. Well, it's very important. You, your kid gets these other vaccines. No, no, no. You're not going to fool me again, bud. We've been down yeah, that my road. Kids will get I don't no more vaccines and I will use yeah. my dying breath to prevent them from getting any needle in their body. Same. Absolutely same. And look, I'm not a scientist. I don't sit there in a white, white coat and study the information and get behind a Petri dish. I'm an idiot who happens to observe things around me. And I'm pretty good at observing what's taking place right now. And I said, no, no, you went too far on this one. You guys took the lie too far, and uh, now I just don't believe anything you say. So I've got to go and with the I got to go with the crazies. <laughs> believe them. The, there's this radio commercial in the area that I live in, and it's a clinic. And they this guy gets on there and says uh, he's the 
he says he's the director. So I don't know. Um, he says he's a medical professional. And he says, we have boosters for your kids. It's like, good Lord, what reality are these people living in? Have they not seen anything? These, these soccer players, football players dropping dead. Kids, can you imagine tucking your kids in at night, going in the morning and not knowing if they're going to be alive or not? I can't imagine the stress. Right. Oh, I, I actually... I, I don't live with the stress myself because I'm like, and I've talked to you about this before offline, but basically I had my expiration date years ago. And so I consider every day from here on out a bonus day and excuse me, it's actually what makes me effective in what I do because fear from retribution or retaliation, I have none. You can do nothing to me. Okay. You come after my family. It's just going to be me that much more resilient and resolved to to do what I do. But myself personally and my own well-being, I every day is a bonus day. So I don't think about my own impending death, but I do every once in a while think is to, you know, is my day going to be coming soon where my heart just says, "Nope, whatever they did to me, my heart's just going to give out because of this nonsense that that I injected into my body." I don't know. But it's something but it, but if I had to think about that with my kids, Oh my goodness, I'd, I would absolutely despise and hate myself. And so I understand where someone would have that cognitive dissonance and they'd say, nope, I don't believe this. I don't believe it's reality because everybody told me it was safe. I know it's safe and I'm going to accept that it's safe and I'm just going to horse blinders and ignore the world around me. It's not real. It's not real. People aren't dying. It's It's because of climate change or it's because of something, but it's not because it's not because of this thing that I did willfully and intentionally. And maybe destroyed my chance of ever being a grandparent or maybe, you know, cut my child's life short because I did this. I refuse to believe that. It's a lot of example of that. I understand it is this pediatric cardiologist that I knew I got. He was in the army, probably still is. Um, I got an argument with him on on an army doctor Facebook group, the same group that I was silenced in for a week for causing too much turmoil. Um when I was the one being harassed, but whatever. He told me that he couldn't wait till the end of his shift that day where he was going to take his child to go get the shot because myocarditis is very treatable. Well, in some sense, yes, it's treatable. You can treat myocarditis, the inflammation of, but the scar tissue that's left behind stays forever. Yeah, and I know, I know you've told me this and a number of other doctors have told me this and it, it's, it's hard to, to listen to that because when you say that it's, you're taking a, you're taking a risk and offsetting it with another risk. I'm going to risk my child in this thing because I'm, I'm afraid of this thing, knowing that this could be the, the outcome of it. But I also know that this is a risk and I'm saying that, okay, if something does happen, it's treatable and you know better, you know better. Cause you're, you're, it's, it's like cutting somebody, you know, I'm going to slash your arm and it's going to scar up, but, but it's, but it's treatable in the meantime, but you just left, you just scarred me up permanently, but it's even more, more serious because it's your heart, literally right. <laughs> the center of your entire body. So yeah, it's. The cognitive dis- it, dissidence is just it was it's spiritual blindness. I mean, because like you, you can't see you you won't see. It's too painful to see. Yeah, 
it, that's, that's the reality. Um, and I don't know how we overcome this, but in the meantime, my purpose and I don't even know what my purpose is anymore. Honestly, I, I will continue to bang the drum when things are brought before me with corruption in the military, with this kind of stuff. If they do this again, I'll go down this road again. And I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm not getting paid for this. Made absolutely zero money. There's no financial benefit in doing what I do. You know, I prior to this, I was I was planning on staying in the military. And and after the trust, the trust that I lost in in the chain of command and everything that I saw, I, I said, I, I can't stay in it any longer. And it's probably a good choice because when I declined my rank, I'd already turned in my retirement packet. I declined the rank because I was getting picked up for W3. I made the list last year. And so I turned in my declination promotion uh, memo. And it's a good thing because that <laughs> that investigation, the official investigation and the Gomar I subsequently got would have prevented that rank from happening anyways. So it's a good thing I was getting out. But regardless, it was it's something that did affect my career. I know it affected your career. You you if this none of this had happened, I know you'd be in. You'd be a lieutenant colonel by now. You'd be moving on up. You'd be doing your thing. And you'd never thought twice. But because of this, now you're out of service as well. And I think about how many people that I've worked with personally and I've spoken to in the amount of senior leadership that that has been purged, the mid-leadership that has been purged. And the, the military has, specifically the Army, I know for a fact, has a senior leadership crisis right now where they do not have enough O5s, lieutenant colonels. They are bleeding. They are begging dudes to stay in, just stay in just for another year and do this. The the promotion rates have gone up like 150% for lieutenant colonels because they're like, we just, we need to get people in the seat. And so you just, we, we're making our force worse by everything we've done. Everything is a spiraling effect for the degradation and destruction within our armed forces, which ultimately affects our national security. And this is happening all across all the brand, all the federal agencies, everywhere you look, who is who is running the show? Who who is pulling the strings? I don't know. I'll let you guys make make the decision on that. But it's hard to see. It is when you have people like um, Senator Ron Johnson when he he wrote that letter on my behalf to Secretary Austin and said, "Preserve the DMED data. Do not change any of it. Don't also don't retaliate against these people, but don't change any of it." And then he changed. He took the entire database down and changed it. The database that showed if there was yeah. any damage to the troops, that showed if there was an enemy attack imminent or happening, he took all that and changed it. I would call that aiding and abetting the enemy. I would call that treacherous and treasonous behavior. And since it took more than one person, I would call that yeah. conspiracy to commit treason. But that's just in my opinion. I'd like to see that played out in front of Congress for them to look into it to see if they agree with my opinion. I would like to see that as well. And, you know, what I've always said about that that situation in particular is the fact that SecDef Austin is an unelected official in the in the government. And he just flat out ignored. He didn't even respond with a note or a screw you. He just ignored the Secretary of Defense. Multiple letters that were written over a, multiple issues, and he ignored every single one, refused to respond. Like, that's wild. We just have complete insubordination and 
disregard for elected officials right now. And it's just like, who, who is, who is steering the ship, man? I don't know. Wild. Yeah. So what's next for you in life? I don't know. You want, you want to know what I'm doing now? If anybody made it this far, you can, you can know what I'm doing now. I'm training <laughs> dogs right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm training dogs. Um, I don't, I'll tell you what I want. I want in my life. It's to have that purpose of helping others expose stuff keep fighting for truth and justice let's throw out other cliche buzzwords and get paid for it that'd be beautiful i think they have a job for that it's like something like investigative journalists or something i don't know i i think people are getting paid to do that but i, I think there's also a lot of people that are getting paid to do the opposite and cover stuff up and call themselves investigative journalists so i i find purpose in what i do it also takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and I got to pay the bills. So right now I'm training dogs and we'll see where the road goes. I don't know. I would. Uh, so if anybody, if anybody in the audience knows someone who needs an investigative journalist, especially with in regards to uh, military corruption, we, we have a man, we have your man here, reach out to my email below after <laughs> hours with Dr. Sigaloff or after hours at 1791. And I'll get you hooked up with him. Uh, Cause he's looking for employment in the investigative journalism field and he's good. He's got all the contacts. He's got a network. I do have a network and I'll tell you, uh, I'll, I'll take any remote job at this point. <laughs> I've got my, one of my children has, has some health issues that have made it, made it difficult to juggle, um, care for, care for him. But basically his, his health issues are significant enough that kind of have him in a bubble at the moment. And that's just the reality without going into too many specifics. But it's made it difficult to juggle back and forth working and taking care of him and not putting him in daycare and stuff like that. So, you know, we're, we're fielding that. I'm, other parents have those same issues and that's just life, you know. But that's that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. So I, I'm, I am actively looking for that, that remote employment, but whatever, God will provide and I'm not worried about it. Um, I'm, I'm doing what I have to do in the meantime and getting to play with some some doggos while I do it. So not too bad. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on. And I and and the audience will be praying for you. At least I will. I hope the audience will be praying for you as well, um, that you find that purpose. You find God's position for you. And that when he calls you, you say, here I am, Lord, as you already have multiple times. Indeed. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. <laughs>